Today I'm talking to Chuck Galuli with Pacific Union. Chuck became a San Carlos-focused realtor in 2007. He has been consistently ranked in the top five of agents serving the San Carlos market. In 2016, he was the number three ranked individual agent in sales volume for San Carlos Homes. Chuck has built his business on his expertise and an in-depth knowledge and understanding of a focused area of his market, which is White Oaks. With a blog he created, the White Oaks blog, he continues to build his business. We talk about how to narrow your expertise to grow your business. Thanks for listening to the Jerry Metcalf podcast, where top real estate agents tell how they do it. This podcast is to share knowledge for realtors and raise awareness for Give Back Homes, where real estate professionals work together for social good. Jet Centers Aviation, Bentley Atlanta, Legends Global, thank you for your sponsorship. All right, everybody, it's the Jerry Metcalf podcast where top real estate agents tell how they do it. Today, we have Chuck Galuli with Pacific Union in San Carlos, California. Chuck, thank you so much for being on the show. We're so excited to have you today. Jerry, thanks for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Really so appreciate the opportunity. Uh, it's an honor. So I'm excited to share everybody like some of the things you do that we've already been touching on. But first, tell us a little bit about yourself. Do you have a family? And, you know, go from there to how in the world did you decide to become a real estate agent? Well, I thought everybody was born uh, wanting to become a real estate agent. Isn't that right. what happens? That's they, like they every kid's real, dream, movie star, real estate agent. Right, right. Firefighter, real estate agent, police officer. Uh, no, I uh, grew up in the Bay Area. I'm in Silicon Valley here uh, and probably one of the nicest and most expensive places to live. Uh, grew up here. I went to school here, studied uh, engineering in college and spent about 20 years in high tech sales right here in the Valley in the semiconductor industry. And after about 20 years of, of doing that, I realized that, it, you know, after going through quite a few mergers and acquisitions and layoffs and then rehiring my sales team and then laying them off again and rehiring them, I was kind of tired of that same kind of rat race. And I wanted to look to something that was a bit more probably recession proof, you know, as we kind of get older, mm-hmm. you know, technology is becoming a young man's game. And also just a little bit, just something different to do after doing this for 20 years. And I'd always had kind of an interest in real estate. I'm the kind of guy that would drive down the street on the way to work. And if there was an open house, I'd stop the car and go in and see what was happening. I just wanted to see what, how other people lived. And there was always that, that fancy. So about 11 years ago, I just decided to make a change. Um, a company I'd worked for had been acquired. I was back looking for a similar sales manager job. And I said, no, this is probably the right stepping off point to actually wow. kind of pursue my my next phase of my life so so what was that so you know now you're a top agent with a big name in silicon valley and everybody knows who you are and you've started companies moved i mean you've you've had so many experiences but what was it like in the beginning when you just you just were some guy i mean obviously you weren't just some guy but as far as real estate was concerned you were the guy that walked through open houses and now you're a broker like what was that like what was that transition like and how did you break into the industry Oh, yeah, that, that's it's funny you say that because one of the first things that people say is, you know, what do you know now that that you didn't know then? It looks so much easier than it is. You walk into your office on the first day, you sit down and you go, okay, what now? My phone's not ringing. And if it rings, what the hell do I do? <laughs> you know, like, what do I say? It's not like you went to work and you got a job description. Yeah, your yeah, job description and, and, is closed deals. 
Yeah, close deals. And how do you close deals? Well, there's a stack of contracts and all this paperwork here. And the learning curve is so intense the very first year when you when you start out, you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And as you know, mistakes, mistakes are super expensive in this industry, they cause mm-hmm. you lawsuits and all kinds of you know, lost clients. And so you, you parachute in the first year. And, and luckily, I was in an office with some top producers. And, and they were personal friends of mine. So I just kind of just did what any else does when you jump in you just you listen you learn you you ask questions you 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 try to shorten that learning curve as much as you can and this is back before like some of the bigger brokerages now have training programs for their for the newer agents Mm -hmm. so they really kind of shelter them so that they can become productive in a shorter amount of time but it's also a small less of a liability for them as a brokerage that some brand new agent's not going to go out and just make a colossal mistake and, and, and end up in a lawsuit so really the first year is just trying to figure out the, the nuts and bolts of the business, the contracts, the disclosures, you know, how the local market works, and then how to get your name out there. How do people find out about you? So I did a lot of open houses the first year. I think the, the first summer, I, I think I was doing open houses every Saturday and Sunday. Wow, um, Saturday and Sunday. And there, I've talked to agents that, have done, that did like, I don't know if you know Joshua Smith, he's got a podcast mm-hmm. and um, he does more like, he does like less of the upper tier and more just straight out like hustler and he's awesome. So it's yeah. so much fun. But he was doing like six open houses a weekend. And then I think he'd even do some on weekdays. Like he just was nuts. It's crazy. Um, yeah. But that's, you know, when you start out, that's where you, most agents become buyer's agents first because you're going to meet somebody in an open house. The average person who's selling your house is not going to go list with somebody who has no experience. So it's kind of a catch 22. Mm-hmm. You have to get the, you have to have the experience to get it, but you can't get it unless you have it. And so that's kind of the step one is just, to get your name out there, be seen at open houses, get your first few buyers, and then you kind of start to roll. You get more confident with the, with the, the nuts and bolts of how you do the business, begin with the contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very much of a detail-oriented person, so I spend a lot of time studying the contracts, understanding what they mean, so that you can talk confidently in front of people. Um, that are and making- being at the agent and listening to the agents, I mean, even now I do that, just to like be around it, hear it, talk to agents. So what do you think um, so, you know, you come in, it, like, I think everybody thinks that, oh, like the successful agents just got a lucky break or had an easy start or they just knew the right mm-hmm. people. And I've seen agents know nobody and make it big and know everybody and can't do anything with it. Yeah. Um, and that kind of leads me to say in such a competitive industry, what do you think is it that gave you that edge to make it and gives you that edge today to keep you in it? That's a great question. I, th- I think I looked at when I first got in the, the, the business, I said I looked at it from the perspective of a homeowner because that's what I was, where I am. And I said, you know, what, what is it about real estate? What are the things that I want to know that I can't find out? Mm-hmm. And at the time, back in 2007, this is before the age of Zillow and Redfin and when everything was online and you could see it instantly, is I said, there's a lot of things about the market, like a home down the street posts a sold sign. Well, how do you find out what it's sold for without picking up the phone and calling the agent? You had to wait for the newspaper to come out three weeks later and say, this house sold for a million dollars or whatever. Um, I found there was a lot of things that I had access to that were going to help me become kind of an expert in my local market. And that was kind of my first, my first thing was when, when I got into this, I said, rather than be, you know, a jack of all trades and a master of none, I want to become kind of a, an expert in my local market, mm-hmm. which happened to be the town that I live in. And the, and the reason that I liked it because we got a good school district, great downtown. It's what everybody kind of wanted in, in the Silicon Valley market. So I figured, well, what, what better place? First of all, you identify what your, what your market's going to be. And I decided to go kind of like a hyper-local market. Um, I wanted to become an expert in that market. Mm-hmm. And so I dove into everything, looked at the statistics, 
and you know understood what was happening schools so i could always always up on what's happening with the schools i would go to the city council meetings i kind of really became immersed in the community and i wanted to become an expert and a resource so that was the first part of it the second part is how do you convey that knowledge to everybody in a cost effective manner you know, I didn't walk into this business with a war chest of you know half a million dollars that I could spend on postcards, um, and and besides, that's what a lot of other agents were doing anyways. Um, right about that, yeah. Yeah, oh, I have so around. much to say, but I want to. You got to keep going because I want to hear this. But there's yeah, so, so much to, about to so, so I, look, yeah. I looked at kind of what was out there. I looked at I looked at these particular like real estate websites, and they were all the same. They were all very stale, very stagnant. You couldn't change the content at all and stumbled upon a platform called WordPress, which is now a very popular you know, blogging platform. And that was probably my aha moment. I said, this is exactly what I was looking for. And the ability to write your own content, and it's a very flexible platform. You can put video on it, you can do podcasts, you can do anything you and want. it's easy to build on. Well, and, here, and here's the thing, like people are spending thousands of dollars, don't get me wrong, snail mail's great, mm -hmm. but thousands of dollars on snail mail or, or postcards or whatever and for the same price you can have more enriched data you can actually target in today's market who gets to see it and know whether they look at it or not and engage with those people for less money or for yes. the same amount of money a lot more people it's oh, huge it's, I'll tell you, if you're going to send out the snail mail at least have it engaged to something online that's that powerful um, but yeah, yeah. The, the actual, you'd be amazed at, one thing I was amazed at is how cost effective it is to do a blog. Really, the biggest cost is your time. Mm -hmm. You buy a domain name, you you probably spend a couple hundred dollars a year on, on hosting your website, and the rest is all your time and effort, and how much you want to commit yourself to it, and, and what content that you put on the site. Or go to Upwork.com and hire somebody there to do it, am I just saying? Yeah. But if well, you've been spending the time and effort doing it, what is what makes you an expert especially when you're not experienced, even when you are, you need to spend the time and effort studying the market and you may as well turn it into data and market with it. But yeah, go ahead. We got to realize too that, that we're right here in Silicon Valley and I've watched this, I've lived here for, I will say over 50 years, I don't want to uh, age myself here, but uh, I've lived here a long time and I've watched the whole valley evolve from being just kind of, you know, a sleepy tech community to really the economic powerhouse of the country and, and, and the world. And if you looked at the last, 10 to 11 years, well, since, since the recession ended, there has been the biggest wealth building cycle probably in the history of the United States in the last 11 years right here. I mean, it probably wow. outshadows the gold rush and the industrial revolution as far as the amount of wealth that's built. So if you, what's causing that? These companies are bringing in people from all over the world. It's not just a local market anymore. It's a global market. And mm -hmm. our clients that come in, they're some of the brightest and most demanding people that you're ever going to come across. They're all right here, right in your lap. Brightest and most demanding people who are used to winning. Used to winning and, and they're they don't- in multiple offer situations. They do not accept mediocrity and your ability to establish credibility, you've got one shot at it. And so I looked at this and I said, okay, who's my target? Who are my target clients? If I'm holding up in a house anywhere in, in Silicon Valley, St. Carlos, anywhere, Palo Alto, the people that are going to walk in that door are probably tech people, either one or both. It's, it's your prototypical buyer. You know, they're a married couple. They both make six figures. They're looking for a home. They either, either one of them, one or both works in tech. You've mm -hmm. got to be able to converse, understand what, what, what's important to them. They're data people. They're analytical people. 
they make decisions based upon data. So as I, as I looked at this and I said, well, I've got a technical background. I can, I can run statistics. I can run charts. So I started to develop the blog to focus on my target market and start to look at trends, look at sales trends, where price is going, how, you know, days on market, price per square foot, things like that. But talk about it in a way, not just post a graph, because anybody can get the data anywhere else, right? You can, you can, you can go to Altos Research and get some beautiful looking graph that mm-hmm. people look at and go, what does this mean? The key to it is establishing credibility is post it and then talk about what, what the Interpret graph says. Interpret the data, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what does this mean? Where's the market going? You know, you're not always right, but at least you're engaging your audience and, and you find that people start to read. And, and I found after a while, people would come into the open house and go, hey, you're the guy who writes that blog. And I go, yeah, it's great. You know, and, and they read it and they, 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 they engage you on it. And, and as, as the blog started to grow, as I started to find out what, what worked and what didn't work and what people liked, I really kind of fine tuned the content. And so for example, every Monday I post, I take the uh, entire previous week of whatever listed, what was pending and what sold. And I, I kind of itemize it in a nice table and then with the sold data, I, I show how much it sold over or you know, above or below the asking price, what the percentage different was, the days on the market. And there's even like when you click the address, it brings it up on my website. You can see the listing. So it's a, it's a pretty nice weekly post. And I've got the reading audience so conditioned. So you're engaging them and they're clicking and they're in there and they're not getting out. And I bet you're not sending them out to another website, but you're keeping them in your world. Right. And, and one, of the other, one of the other things, too, you talked about is I, I don't outsource any of the information uh, from the standpoint, like any of the content, mm-hmm. because the thing I found that's most valuable is when I meet people who call me up and say, hey, we're, we want to sell our house. Would you come talk to us? I walk in the door and they say, we've been reading your blog for five years. We feel like we know you already. So good. And yeah. You only get that because you've written your own content. They know you. They know what you're about. And when you've written yeah. the content. The thing I to talk about what we're you know, and I don't you know everybody's got to figure out what their thing is in business. Does it need to be a neighborhood? No, maybe it's a type of home, maybe it's a type of client, maybe it's whatever. But when whatever that market is, and some of it I think is determining your market, and some of it's determining your client, or okay. determining your client. And if this is your client, what's that market? Whichever one comes first. But speaking to like you said, what do they really want to know? What are their pains? What are the answers to the questions that they need to get to give them that certainty that they're looking for? Because I think the scariest thing with anybody, our clients, is the level of uncertainty that they're not used to and they're looking to us for that certainty. So a few things, like you can, like I started doing this for Historic Brookhaven, my market in Atlanta. And when I did it, I literally didn't even know who the top agent in the market was. Like I found out who she was because she was like, who are you taking my listings? I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know who you were. But but going and studying that market, you show up for a listing appointment and you just have a conversation. You're not on the computer studying and figuring out anything. You go in and you've got the stories in your back pocket. You understand it. You know it. And the value is there. And the business is one like immediately. And it's in a it's it's just at a whole new level of doing. But ours are very similar because we focus on neighborhoods. But, um, you know, whatever, I would say to everybody, whatever that might be for you, you don't have to pick a neighborhood, but I think it's important to pick your value and know what it is you have to offer. Because people, if you show up at a listing appointment, and then I'm gonna let you talk more, Chuck, this isn't the Jerry Metcalf, this isn't my interview, it's yours, but what you're saying resonates. You know, people, if you're showing up to a listing appointment hoping to get the listing, 
that's not where you, you should show up at a listing appointment already having won the listing. It should be a conversation. Yep. That's it. Um, yeah. And if it's not, you might be, in, you're doing something wrong on the front end, which is the marketing, which is what you do. So I'll stop talking so much, everybody. Just had to throw <laughs> that in. But um, so clearly that gives you your edge is doing this blog. Do you do, do you, I mean, it sounds like it's strictly writing and images. It's not any video or do you engage video in that too? You know, that's a good question. And I, I've seen, I've watched, I, I'm an early adopter of technology. I'm one of these guys that was one of the first users of Dropbox and, and Evernote and all these great tools. And, and I probably, one of the mistakes I think I made early on was probably relying too heavily on technology mm -hmm. because not all of our clients are techies. There's a, you know, a lot of people that have lived here for 30 or 40 years that, you know, still pick up the, the, the postcard, you know, from, from the snail mail and go, you know, here's, here's, Joe Smith realtor and he's he's post he's sending me something every month and so the the, the thing about video as I've watched other people who try to adopt early on video is that it's a double-edged sword um, there's no hiding you're either good on video or you're not and you can take I watched one I won't name this guy's name but he was a very established old agent you know nice white shirt buttoned down and super confident in an open house if you ever talk to him he looked like a deer in the headlights when the camera went on yeah, and his favorite, and he shook, and and I just go, you can Lost kill, credibility. you can kill thirty years of credibility in thirty seconds of video if you're not careful. Yeah. So, I use other media. I do I do an audio podcast. I'll use you know the tools to do interviews. I've interviewed like the mayor of our town before. I've interviewed other people, and it's a pretty popular way. Just kind of like what we're doing. I have a little chat, just record it, do a quick edit, put it out there. And, and it's amazing how people respond to that. They go, wow, I didn't realize that, you know, this was going on in the city or, or what the mayor truly thought about something. And it, it just also heightens your visibility within all around the, the area too. The other part I was going to tell you, not to, to beat the blog subject to death, but when, when you look at how do you get your name out there, mm -hmm. you look at your buyers that are coming into the market. They, they research everything online before they ever see you. Right. They're, they're online looking at open houses. They're searching for realtors or looking on Google. The blog platform is a great way to boost your ratings up because the content's always changing. It's a fresh website. Google and all the different search engines love that. And, and the more that you write, the more active the website is, the higher your rankings get without having to pay for it. The beauty of it is not having okay. to pay for it. And exactly. so they, they, they see when you come in that you, you kind of, you know what you're talking about. They, they, they know your name before they even meet you. Well, and I think too, like, you know, a lot of agents that have been in the business for a long time, mm -hmm. um, which we have been in the business for a long time, our name's already there. But if mm -hmm. there's a lot of names out there, but if you're the name that's out there that has the content and something to engage people that's behind it, mm -hmm. it's just so powerful what it does, not only for your potential clients and your existing clients, but for your own value. I mean, I've said that like three times in this interview already, but it's just like, I've got a lot of friends out there and if you're listening you know who i'm talking to you know who you are <laughs> like get that blog going or that facebook page or whatever it is because it will really change your life chuck is here to tell you and show you <laughs> and on some of that i'm speaking to myself because i'm great with the podcast but i need to get better on that um, part as well because it is hugely powerful i think some people are afraid of what it might actually do for them you know they're afraid of what like wow like what if it really does work what is that fear of success? Yeah, oh, I, I'm, I'm not in disagreement at all. I see a lot of people that, that will sabotage their own success or afraid of trying something that might actually work, heaven forbid. And it's not the fact that it's gonna cost you a lot of money to do something, it's just that what happens if it succeeds? 
Exactly. It's an interesting perspective, but um, I've, I've seen that before as well. So I'd love to know from you, what have you found is your biggest aha, um, especially, so we were talking earlier about technology. Technology is a little more competitive. It's a little more, you know, there's no, there's not, it's not relationship development with your competitors. And then you get into real estate, it's different. So um, I won't answer my own question too much for you because you, and you may have a different answer to that, but what has been, been your biggest aha about being a real estate agent? I, that's a good question. I think the biggest aha to me is that nothing ever stands still, especially being here in Silicon Valley. Um, no I've kidding. watched people who are who are the top agents five years ago. That within three years they're gone. Um, they don't adapt to the changes. We're under, as realtors, we're under constant attack by, you know, technology companies who want to. I've talked about real real estate being the big bloated pig that everybody thinks we make so much money. We just show up to work, collect a commission check, and we drive fancy cars. I mean, that, that's how Redfin was started, right? That the, the CEO of Redfin was upset that his realtor drove a nicer car than he did, and so he decided to start a company to basically unseat the realtor. To that make was the, the realtors beginning. make sure realtors don't make as much money. Right. But guess right. what? You get what you pay for. I'm going to stop well, there. Um, so. Yeah. You have to really, you know, the, the biggest aha moment is that what you're doing today or what I was doing a few years ago may not be relevant today. And so you constantly have to evolve with where the market's at, what your competitive threats are uh, out there. And a lot of it out here is technology. Everybody's trying to develop an app that's going to replace the agent or, you know, some sort of a tool that's going to take the agent's either commission entirely out of the picture or the agent out of the equation. Mm -hmm. And the key there is 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 constantly re reevaluating, retooling what you do to 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 continue to add that extra layer of value above what's what's out there. People, I don't think people are still comfortable buying a house on an app yet, but maybe that's five or ten years away. Well, but you know, I I and I would love to know what you think about this, but I think when the more technology tries to replace the realtor, the more it emphasizes how necessary a good realtor. Now, it used to be a realtor was somebody who could open doors and unlock things and fax papers. And I mean, maybe it wasn't, but that definitely was the perception. But technology is proving more and more that you that if, if it's a good realtor, you need good realtors because it's it's even I think it's even propelled our industry to make us more true professionals than what we were before, because t technology, while it's trying to like a lot of them are trying to kick, replace us they've just enhanced our value because there's right. all of this confusing data that only we really can truly interpret because Zestimate surely isn't doing a good job. Exactly. And, and, and when we looked at uh, one of the points I made at the outset was I wanted to become a local, um, a local expert in the market. And part of the reason for that was when you're representing a buyer and we have a very kind of a transitory client base here, we got people coming in from all over the world to take tech jobs here in this area. They don't know the neighborhoods. They don't know the schools. They know nothing about this area. They rely. They rely very heavily on you to be able when they look at this house to go, well, why should I buy this house or why not? Mm -hmm. Well, by the way, this happens to be a busy street because it's a cut through for schools, right? Or, you know, you're two blocks from the fire station, or you're, you know, you're, you're way too far from mass transit. Knowing kind of the real basics of of the market that you sell. I've always been a big believer when I was in technology sales. You sell what you know. And, Thank you. Know, you. Yes, you sell what you know. Isaac, yeah, write that so, down. You sell what yeah. you know. We're tagging that like 20 times on Facebook. Yeah. Oh my God. 
Right, but but also know your product. And your product in this case is it just isn't just the 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 wood and the, the the shingles of the house. It's the neighborhood. It's what's happening in the neighborhood. What's happening downtown. Things that happen with you know the school bonds and all that stuff. People, you know, you're never going to get that from from an app. At least well, maybe. and it's too. It's know know what the lifestyle is what the mm -hmm. lifestyles are that your community has to offer and know what the lifestyle is that your client's looking for and how to help him. And sometimes they've got their idea that this is the lifestyle that they're going to live in my market Atlanta because that's what they had in Silicon Valley. Right. And they're usually pleasantly surprised at how much more yeah. they can buy. So maybe <laughs> vice versa, but helping them also realize in this market, in this industry, what is the lifestyle that's going to best suit what I'm looking for. Right, right. Yeah, it's just it's just having having. There's always going to be that level of, of knowledge that you bring, and, and I think that's where we separate ourselves. To go back to it, we are we are a service business. That's all we do is we 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 serve. Yeah, when you say that, that part kind of scares me, but it shouldn't, right? Because that's no. the point. Yeah. We don't we know we don't invent anything. We don't have any intellectual property. All we have is our service and our knowledge and our, and our intellectual property is what's between our ears, basically. Yeah. And if you know your you know your product and you're competent, you'll do well. And you're able to adapt. That's huge. Exactly. What you keep talking about that, that adapting. Was, that was the biggest aha moment. Is that you know you, you if you stay still and it, and it, and that comes back from my days in technology too. Is that companies that stayed still got run over. And it's oh, the same. Oh my. Thing. Okay. IBM. Yep. Kodak. Let's name uh, yeah. some more. This is fun, actually. I mean, seriously. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I and mean, IBM is around. They, they've had to evolve completely from yeah. where they were at. You look at Kodak. You look at other technology companies. There's a whole bunch of yeah, I could, I could write a list of 100 companies he, today that were here and big players 10 years ago that aren't even around anymore. Mm -hmm. And so that model still, that evolves with us too, is we have to evolve, we have to improve. You've got to have that little bit of Intel paranoia, as they say, to, to make yourself better and continually want to evolve and figure out what's going to make you a better agent. And you know, I think something interesting to talk about on saying that is you're t we talk about evolving and adapting. So it's kind of a, there's two sides of it. There's there's a foundation of what's true is what's true. And like, you know, the foundation of the fact, like you never lose the basics. Like you've always got to have your contacts. You've always got to make your calls every day. You've always got to connect with people. You've always got to know your market. Like you, like some people forget all that because they're getting so fancy. And on the other end, you have people that don't want to do anything fancy because they want to stick to, so know the difference between what are the basics that are in the, the important, relevant foundation of my business and what are those additional things that are going to keep me adapting and evolving to enhance the foundation of my business? Because I think you right. get both sides. You get people who refuse to change, they refuse to do anything, and they get left behind. And then you get people who are so fancy and excited about technology that they forgot about the fundamentals of the business, and that's the reason why they're not getting anywhere. Just thought I'd have to add that. I, th I think you can you can lump realtors into two two main kind of baskets. There's people that do real estate to make money. And people that do real estate to make a living, and that's mm -hmm. a huge difference when you think about it. The I people think that writing do, that one down anyway. <laughs> but but it's I've always I've always and you can tell the two once once you kind of realize the de the defining lines between those two, you can see it right away when you talk to people. They're the the agents that do it to make money. It's probably a second income. They're happy doing one or two deals a year. It's a fun way to keep them out of the house, or whatever. And the people that do it for a living, it's they're committed to it. They're 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 bread and butter. Or their family relies on it, you know, to put mm -hmm. food on the table, and they're looking at it as a career, and that's where they're going to evolve, wherever their career goes, whether it means owning a company, being part of a team, or just being a very successful solo realtor. And the mindset couldn't be any different. 
And when you see that and how people, the, the, the kind of people that we were just talking about are the people that do this as a career. They constantly mm-hmm. are, they're, they're, they're continuing their education. They're going to seminars. They're talking to tech companies, finding anything they can to give them that competitive edge as opposed to, hey, I'm happy doing just a couple of deals a year. Um, those are the people that do it to make money. And you know what I think is funny is I think a lot of us, and maybe it goes both ways, some people get in this business thinking it's going to be a career, and they're like, no way, I'll make a little money and I'm going to do something else. You know, or then there's people who get in this money business to like, I mean, I got in it to make money, and then I just kind of got sucked in, and I got addicted, and I got hooked, and then I like made a whole career out of it. But yeah, you're right. Um, I never thought about it that way, but it's so true. Where or with whom... Do you feel that you have found the most support in your business? That's a good question. Um, I have found a lot of support. We have several networking groups locally with with agents, and it's, this is kind of the mind blowing part of, of the evolving from technology into real estate is the, the amount of collaboration that you have to do. You know, I talked about mm-hmm. this before. You you when you're in tech, you know, you would just assume kill your competing sales guy out in the parking lot. You'd accidentally back him over, you know, just to get the deal. Right. And in real estate, it's a bit different. You have we rely on each other because, uh, and one day I'll be I'm sitting across from you. You have a listing, and I'm writing on your listing. And a week later, the table might be turned, and I've got the listing, and and you're competing with three other offers, and you know I've got it. I've got to feel comfortable about who you are. So a lot of it comes from collaboration. Mm-hmm. And we have several networking groups of agents that I go to. We talk about new opportunities. We talk about what's happening in the market, not not just you know prices and and what's selling, but also the things we talked about before, the 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 the, the competition to our market, the threats to our market from technology, and everybody kind of shares their take on it. And it does two things: it get it, it educates you, but it also develops a little bit of trust around the table. And it's it is a good support group. You can ask questions. You get things answered. Yeah. And, and the second thing is, is you, you tend to find friends in the in the industry that you know and that you trust and you respect, and they become your mentors. They become your your colleagues that you that you trust. That's kind of your biggest support group. Um, and and learning from their failures and their successes, people that are particularly honest and frank about what works with them and what doesn't. And in return, you have to be the same, and you also have to be trusting and not you know share their their trade secrets with everybody else. But those are the kind of the two areas, really the networking groups and then the, the, the specific agents that I, that I really kind of respect and trust and, and don't have a problem picking up the phone and asking them, hey, you know, what happened on this deal? Or I'm stuck. How, how can I get past this point yeah. with my client? Yeah. So. Or what would you do or what have you? I mean, that's, that's so it's, I love that about our business that we can work together that way. Um, yeah, so, so many agents don't. I, 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 I've seen so many. It's one of the biggest rookie mistakes they make is they want to go out and just you know, light the earth on fire and trash and burn and steal clients. And, and those are the ones that flame out quickly because they yeah. realize they just painted themselves into a corner. And it is such a different kind of a sales model. You've got to be, you know, it's, it's very collaborative. Yeah, and, and you, have, you have to give you get, to get yeah. to it. And when, and when, you know, when there are agents that I even are in my market and I compete with, but if somebody says, hey, what do you think about this agent? If I love them, hey, I love them. And I'm going to tell them that because I'll ultimately – we ultimately, if I, if you get the listing or if I get the listing, we can still collaborate on the listing. I'd rather have the listing, but if you get the listing, I'm going to know about it before it goes to market because you know that I'm not going to go try to steal the listing, and I'd rather just focus on moving forward and getting a deal done and finding the buyer for it and putting the deal together, um, exactly. which is what happens. I mean, it's awesome. It's like, you know, Liz Bentley had an interview with her. Do you know Liz Bentley? She 
is a big real estate coach. Um, she coaches a lot of top agents around the country, but she talks about getting out of this mindset, like shifting out of this mindset of scarcity, which I think so many, so much of the training and so much of the mindset of our industry other is from scarcity. Because if it wasn't, when I pulled a listing off the market, because my client decided not to sell or we pull it for whatever, they well, wouldn't get 100 calls in one day on yeah. the phone. <laughs> if this weren't an industry yeah. based on scarcity. So yeah. anyway, just food for thought there. All right, so I've got my three final questions that I love to ask. And the one is your favorite tool that you have found most effective in your business or that you think is most effective for real estate agents in general. Well, I think we already hit on it. I think I think writing your own blog is yeah. probably the easiest tool. And I look at it as a tool. It's 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 a it's a form of communication. And with the with the sophistication of these websites now, you can get people that can actually create the whole framework for you. And it can be everything from a, a fully self-contained website to just just a blog where you just express your opinions about the market. And I still think that's the most effective way to do it. Our, our, our buyer clients, everything we do, if we go to go out to a restaurant, what's the first thing we do? We go on Yelp. We, we try to get, we, we look online before we go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And you better believe when, when somebody is going to interview you, he's either a buyer's agent or a listing agent, they've researched you online. And so it's still by far to me the best tool out there to convey your expertise in the market, to, to be able to be transparent. You know, you, you give a lot of information away free on a blog. I hate to say it. You, you spend all this time doing these beautiful graphs and charts and you're putting it up there for free. Guess who sees it? Clients, potential clients and competitors. I know mm-hmm. a lot of agents probably read my site. I, I'm fine with that. It's more of, because I'm also establishing credibility with them. So to me, exactly. it's still a very, very effective tool. And I think well, the second thing, yeah. The second tool is to have a really good contact relation management tool. And there's, yeah. there's a bunch of them out there. We, we have one internal that we use at our company, but I'm a big believer in, I, I don't, I, I'm not, not going to sit there and, you know, do an advertising for Brian Buffini, but I like his approach of your, your, your best pool of resources are your past clients, your friends, your sphere of influence and your past clients. And a CRM, a good CRM is an, an effective way to stay in contact with them without having to burn a bunch of time. Because every busy, successful agent, you're always looking forward. You're mm-hmm. looking towards your next sale. You're looking towards your next deal. What's going what's gonna to happen next year? And we tend to forget about our past clients. So you're very easy to do. It becomes a low priority. So exactly. it, to balance those two things out, to be able to continue to look forward, but then also you know, keep in contact, keep in touch in, 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 in not a, a canned, cheesy way, Thank you very much. Yeah, because I think people legitimate make it make it seem like it's authentic. That those those are the two things I think are the part of the most two tools that I could recommend. Well, and I have to give if you don't have a CRM, or do you do you? I mean, the one I'd have to do a shout out for is Contactually, because Contactually actually, I I use Contactually. I don't use the workflows. Sorry, wish I did, but I'm just getting the hang of the the just the like the data or the people putting in there, but. I mean, like I open it up and it gives me people to contact. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I don't know how the CRM knew that, but I do need to call that person. And I need to call oh. that. I mean, it's great. It's great. I don't have to the figure loss. out who to call today. It's telling me, you know, contactually telling me who to call and what my relationship is with them. And they're in front of me to update it as it feeds it to me. If it's not, I mean, it's like, it's incredible. Um, I know there are a lot of others that everybody recommends, but contactually is the one that everybody keeps bringing back 
to our yeah, attention. Yeah, that's the one that we have. We use that in house as well too. And I'm just kind of getting, getting yeah. When a lot of um, yeah, I think um, Jay Cooper and Austin Sotheby's has just purchased it and they're using it for their office. And I think Stacy Jones in Seattle is doing the same because it's such a powerful and Greg Lynn in um, San Diego. Yeah. Same thing. It's, and yeah, it's, it's empowering. It's so necessary because the last thing you want to have, it, it's every, every agent's nightmare. It's when you sold somebody a house five years ago, put them in as a buyer, and then suddenly that address pops up on a listing and it's somebody else that's listing the house. That's when you've got uh, a knife in the gut and you realize that this happened. It was just a couple of phone calls. You didn't stay in contact with them. Just you didn't stay, stay in touch. Just bring them. value. Like, right. yeah, it's not, in, this business is not about waiting around for it to happen because it won't. Absolutely. Yeah. If there's a book that you would recommend we read um, to improve our lives, our business, that's changed your life, what would that be? There's two books, actually. And again, I don't want to go back to being a Brian Buffini um, promoting because I'm not part oh, of this. Oh, no. Yes, but he okay. wrote a very good book called The Immigrant Edge. And um, I like it because there we, we all work hard. I mean, we all put a lot of hours into what we do. And sometimes you, you, you kind of lose sight of Am I working too hard? Am I not? And and the whole idea of the country being a group of we all come from somewhere else when you think about it. And some of the most successful people just work their butt off. They they never have his whole concept in his book is that they come to this country with with plan A, not plan B, not plan C, just plan A. It's either going to work or it's not going to work. And that's it's a great mindset to have. Is that sometimes you know we're we're, we're in an environment that we're surrounded by rejection. We get told no all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, we're, we don't we don't win every deal we get. We don't win every listing point we go on. But you just have to keep working harder. And it's it's that yeah. mindset of there's 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 one plan. There's there's no fallback plan. If this doesn't work, I I'm not going to go back to you know tech. I'm not going to go back to making coffee for a living. This is this is what makes. Yeah. It well, that reminds me of two things he says. One thing. This is a long time ago that I've, because I haven't listened to him in a long time, but he talks about, you know, immigrants come to this country and they've come from a different environment and they're like, all they can see is opportunity. Yes. And it's been sitting in front of us our entire lives and we don't even see it anymore. Or we think mm -hmm. it's going to always be there, so we'll do it tomorrow. And they're like, it's here today and they grasp it. The other thing is, I think he was, he, I think this, you'll, you may know better than I do, but when he got here, he came, you know, here from Ireland and he had not very much money. And I think he like got hit by a car. And yeah. ended up in the it hospital the and there was this, yeah. this like that plan a like all of that in the hospital like you know uh, maybe he almost died but not he wasn't doing very well and but there was just, there was still plan a and he got set yeah. back but he still made plan a and look at where he is now i mean pretty impressive yeah. but it reminds me makes me think another of another good book too um was a book by malcolm gladwell that he's he's written some pretty controversial stuff but there's a book called blink and the premise behind blink is that you know, we formulate, whether consciously or subconsciously, impressions about people and situations and things within the first, like, millisecond of when we, we see them. And mm -hmm. so, and I find myself doing that a lot. If I walk into an open house and the agent's got his nose buried in his iPhone and kind of grunts at you, you you've already, you've already predetermined what, how good this agent's going to be. And it's, it's how we conduct everything in life. When you meet somebody, their, their very first impression of you is the impression they're going to have. And, Everything you do after that's going to either unseat that or reinforce that, and it's a it's a good book. It's a pretty interesting way that he writes, and I've read a lot of his books. But that that's one that I think pertains. Again, we're in the service industry; we're in a people business, yeah. and 
when we project, like the first time I met you, I had an impression of you right away. And um, right. probably the same about me. And that's yeah. how our brains operate. It's important to know that. Well, and Blink, I've not read that one, David Goliath. I love that mm. one. That's, yep, good, that's good because it's like the weak competitor is usually the stronger one. Like how did these people, how did these industries come out of nowhere and take over? Because yep. you didn't see them coming and what you thought was a weakness was a strength. Dave and Goliath, everybody thought Goliath was the big, strong, scary monster. But actually right. nobody remembers that back then there was a disease and you couldn't move fast and you couldn't see well. And David was very handy and crafty with his little slingshot. And what I mean, the book's awesome. But I think about that in business all the time. Um, yeah. But Blink, I've not read that. And I know that one. So The Immigrant by Brian Buffini and Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah, Immigrant Edge, yep. So last but not least, Mm -hmm. What is the one thing, if there's one thing I or we listeners get out of this interview, what do you hope that that would be if it has to only be one? Because there's lots. Wow. Um, I think it goes back to service being, remembering that we are in a service industry. There's a really good series on HBO. It's called The Defiant Ones. And it has nothing to do with real estate. It's actually about the music industry. And it's it's a it's a kind of a short and people have probably seen it, um, Dr. Dre, and Jimmy Iovine, and it talks about their right. two different parallel paths, completely different, coming from different directions, how they collaborated to form Beats, right, which was sold to Apple for billions and billions of dollars, but you dig into the 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 history of Jimmy Iovine, and he started off as a recording engineer in New York, um, and low level recording engineer, and he would do whatever it took to get the job done. And because of that reputation he developed, he suddenly became producers for some no-name guys like Bruce Springsteen, Tom Petty, guys like that. No, I have never heard of those guys, right? But, no, um, never. Yeah, I don't but, know who Jimmy is, but I know who the other guys are. Right, um, so his, his, his whole mantra, the three words he always says is be of service. Be of service. Be Remember, of service. Remember what you do is we're in a service industry and there's no job that's too small for you to do if you got to bring a vacuum cleaner to a listing before an open house, I've done that. If you have to change light bulbs before the open house, done that as well. Change out electrical outlets, ditto. Yeah, that's easy. Makes a huge difference and it's easy. Yeah, so. but remember, just be, just be of service. What, what's going to separate us in the long run and keep you in this business is remembering that whatever service you provide, that that's why we're here, that's what we do. Awesome. I think that's a good way to finish. Yeah. Thank you.